I've been told by everybody up on this roof that they're all off the roof. I am on the roof of Exposure 4. Got fire through the roof of the fire building in the entire rear section. Welcome back to another episode of Old School. I'm Rick Lasky, along with my buddy John Salka. And uh, hey, how about we talk leadership today? Let's, uh, Sounds good to me. Let's talk leadership. You know, we've been doing the, um, golly, the Company Officer Academy. We've been doing the Company Officer Training for like a couple of decades. Um, we've been doing the Company Officer Academy now for 11 years, 11 and, years and now. Getting busier and busier after the little, the little lull for COVID is now pretty much waning. And we're, we're back on the road. You, you more than me, but but certainly the Company Officer Academy is getting very popular again. We're out with Mimi and and, I, and our friends from CSU who uh, we love and treat us well and sponsor the program and and haul the people in and advertise and take care <laughs> of them. And it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful team. Um, yeah, so we're back out there doing it, talking about Company Officer Academy and leadership and all the all the stuff that goes with it. Well, we just. Uh finished one of our chief officer academies for battalion chiefs. So, so that got me to thinking, um, you recently, we were having a conversation about some of the different people we've worked for in our career, the good bosses, the not so good bosses, the tough ones and not so tough ones. And, and you, you kind of, you sent a little bit of a message that, that hit me in a good way of, you know, it's not always bad working for a tough boss that, you know, there's a lot of good to working for someone who's regimented, you know, we talked about our good friend Jay Jonas that, you know, called Captain Serious, not Captain Knucklehead or Captain Mean Push Guy, whatever, that kind yeah, of thing. But, yeah, yeah. but and, and the guys that worked for him loved working for him because they loved knowing how their day was going to go from start to finish. They were going to wear their uniforms. They were going to train. They were going to get off the tool, the rig with their tools, with their with their turnout gear. They were going to be ready to roll. Yeah. No mess. And, he, and, and he's a great guy. But, I mean, that kind of leader. And, but, and that's just Jay. But we're talking about. You know, you and I both, I'm, I'm, I'm 64 years old now. And, you know, are you now? If, if you I'm don't just, look it. Jay is just getting out of the job now, 43 <laughs> years on the job. I did 33. He stayed a little bit longer than me. But the point is, like like our name of, of, of this program, we, we are old school. We are old school. And I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of old school. I've always enjoyed, gee, even when I go to classes, including today's classes, there was a couple of older gentlemen there. And, and you know what? It, it just seems like sometimes I have a little bit more in common with them. Than, than lots of other folks in the class. Not, not to be taken that I don't have a lot in common with those young guys, the young up and coming guys, the guys that are that are reaching, you know, just becoming chiefs or they're, they're becoming senior company officers, and, and even some of them just becoming officers with you know 10 or 15 years of a job. We certainly have lots in common with them. We're, we're, we're on the same road, just a few miles ahead of them. But back back to old school and back to back to the senior people and, and the old-fashioned bosses and and Gosh, you hesitate to say the word tough now because the way society views yeah, that yeah. word. And way, well, let know. me ask you this. Would you consider Chief Joe? We love Chief Joe. I mean, Chief Joe. Would you a consider him a tough boss? Absolutely. I love the guy. And I know you Listen, you and love not everybody Chief loves him. He's a great guy. Everybody respects him. Everybody that ever met him, everybody that ever worked with him, 
loved working with him. Maybe they didn't love him. He wasn't, he wasn't listen, is Joe DiBonato a cuddly guy? When you get to know him, he certainly is. But he's a friend and, and a buddy. Absolutely. But Joe, Joe DiBonato was a tough boss. You know, Tom Kennedy was a tough boss. There's a lot of guys out Ray there Downey. that would Ray Downey was a tough. I never actually worked for Ray Downey. I worked for the rest of the Italian when, when he was around, but never actually worked for him. Listen, frankly, I, I never worked. I worked for Tom Kennedy as a, as a covering chief when he was a more senior chief. And the same thing with Joe D. They were they were both my bosses. You know, when I was a new chief. But but listen, let, let's get back to just tough bosses. You can talk about particular guys if you like, but but the concept of the tough boss, the concept of the you know, and I'll call it, and, and, and it doesn't make it correct. I'll call it the old-fashioned tough bosses. Some of, some of them were World War II guys. Some of them were Vietnam guys. So a lot of them were military guys, but not required, but not required. These guys were very predictable, and you knew exactly what was expected of you. Describe their appearance. Right. So let's start by that. Describe. If Listen, I, most if of the I time see their appearance was pretty plain. They were guys that just wore, like, you know, a button-down shirt. I, I never saw a guy, like, Tough bosses. I never saw him with a shirt pulled out of the pants or, or with a with a with a sweatshirt on walking at the into into corners with, with a pair of jeans or dungarees with a hole in the knee or something like that. They, they were always they were just more more sort of more old-fashioned conservative, not necessarily politically conservative, but old-fashioned conservative kind of fellas, kind of guys, you know? And and it was just simple. The demands were very simple, but they were demands. The requirements were, were very well known. You knew what was expected of you, and you say it and I say it all the time. In all of our classes, whether they're leadership, whether they're company officer classes, whether they're chief officer classes, knowing what your expectations are are the greatest gift in the world. Knowing what your boss wants from you. And my experience has been tough bosses always let you know pretty clearly, sometimes with a little sprinkling of vulgarity, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> exactly what they wanted. They always told you exactly. And the minute you strayed, sometimes you got a, you, you got a, a look or you got a little growl or you got a little, hey, we don't, we don't do that around here. And Frankly, I loved it. I loved, I loved the confines. I loved the, I loved the expectation uh, of, of what was done, and I was very happy to provide it. I fit it. And, and I, and I think of when you talk about that, we mentioned a couple already, and you're going to actually talk about a couple too. But you know, you've heard me talk about Chief Jack McCaslin, Oaklawn FD, Orland, you know, Illinois Fire Service Institute, Jack, Big Mac, Big Mac. I mean, Big Mac, a decorated combat Vietnam vet Marine, built like a freaking football player, loved the job. He had a, he would do that whole, I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about building construction. He'd do that with his finger and his thumb. And, and you know, you look at him and you go, well, he kind of gave you a little scare when you looked at him. And, the, and what I found out about Mac was this, because I adore him. You know that I love him. I kiss my mentor. I think with him, the more you love the job, the more you were into the job, the more you were doing, dedicated to busting your ass and doing a good job, the more he loved you. And it wasn't a rub your shoulders. It was like, God, when you, you earned, you know, we were talking about helmets and, and the leather helmets. And when you, when you finally, you finally started to see the wire show in the back brim, you're like, oh man, my helmet's getting salty. That was like Mac. When, when, when you knew that you were part of his crew, part of his circle, it was like, it's like, put the badge on me right now because I wanted his approval. I wanted his acceptance. And some guys didn't like that talk, you know, because he could be, I saw him in class. He'd, tell, he'd go up to people's students and FSI go, really? What what the F are you doing here? Are you not here? Are you here to make a difference or not? You're, you know, you're not busting. You're, you know, you're lazy. You're not doing this. You need to change shit around right now. Get into the job. You know, people are dependent on you. And he was just, you know, and some guys don't know how to take that. 
I loved and, and I love working for I love and, and I loved it too. And, and and I'll tell you and I'll admit it. Some of these things were pretty rough around the edges. Some of these comments, some of the ways, some of these guys that that guy included, some of the guys that I know and I love. You know, some of them were a little rough around the edges. Some some of them were out and out a little threatening. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm not here defending that kind of, you know. And I don't want to call it abuse. That that kind of tough love that right. they, that they handed out. Tough love. But what I am here to tell you is it was productive and it worked and it worked for me. So it why do you, for little Johnny? Why do you think? Why do you think there are people today that? They wear their, I guess maybe they wear their hearts on their shirt sleeve or you have to, you know, back, back in those days, I wasn't worried about getting Mac or any of my tough bosses like angry. I was more, I wasn't worried about pissing them off. I was worried about disappointing them. I was, I was 100% behind. I didn't want to disappoint them. Not that they're going to get mad at me. And, and I think sometimes some of the folks today, as great as they are, tend to wear their hearts on their shirt sleeves are a little bit more sensitive Right. You know, with right. how you approach them and, and, you and know how what? you say something. And there's nothing wrong with that. There, there's nothing wrong no. with, the, with the with the kinder and the gentler. And, and those aren't bad words either. You know, to me, those weren't things I was ever really looking for. You know, kinder and gentler. There's nothing wrong with that. There's there's nothing wrong with bosses that care a little bit more openly about their guys and that, talk to them a little bit more that was Eddie. softly and a little bit more friendly. Eddie Enright, you know what I'm talking about, Eddie. Yeah. You said, yeah. that guy, what a sweetheart, what a great man. You didn't want a yo pal. If you got a yo pal, start running because he'll he'll catch you with them Irish legs. But kinder, gentler, great boss, another Vietnam vet from the big room, red one, the first infantry, infantry, infantry. But kind of that Bradley, uh, Bradley Patton, two different kinds right, of uh, right. you know. But my point was the tougher guys. Like and I'll mention a guy, Ronnie Hanson, the guys that worked with me in eleven truck and twenty engine. I probably oh god, they're probably screaming right now. Can't can't even believe it. Ronnie Hansel was one of the one of the toughest bosses I ever worked for. But and he and he was a good boss. It's almost hard for me to say. He was not well liked. He was certainly not loved. He socialized with nobody. He, he was sometimes even a little rude and a little bit overbearing. But man, did he run a tight ship. Man was 11 truck, fully afloat and full steam ahead. It was a great place. And you couldn't get in. There was, there was a lot of people waiting to get into 20, uh, 11 truck and 28 engine. It was a great house. There was stuff going on in the engine that he would never allow happen in a truck. And, and, and whatever those behaviors were, I need to hear that. But there were certain things that went on. Obviously, a captain has one shift of, of four, four officers there. And some of the others were, were much different and much nicer, more friendly than him. But the point is, he, he wasn't a terrible guy. He didn't drive anybody really out of there or anything like that. Obviously, it was a little scarier, a little more apprehensive if you worked for him or if he came in and he was still around. But my point is, guys that are tougher bosses, guys that are more demanding, Guys that are a little bit more rough around the edges, and I say that not as a negative thing, just as a description of how they of how they operate. It was harder to be in their circle. It was harder to be accepted into their little club, into their group, into their shift, into their, <coughs> excuse me, you know, <coughs> than it was to be accepted into, let's say, some of the other officers, some of the other captains, maybe some of the other uh, lieutenant. Now, look, here's a perfect example. Vinny Romeo was the captain of 28 Engine, and there wasn't a nicer man and East 2nd Street than Vinnie Romeo. I can tell you right now, I loved Vinnie Romeo when I worked there, and I love him today. He was such a nice, I don't want to call him a gentle soul. It almost softens him up too much. He was a good boss. He was a great lieutenant. He was a great captain. Everybody loved working with him. He was a soft-spoken guy. You had to sort of, you had to sort of listen to him carefully when he spoke because he never really yelled or anything like that. He was the complete opposite. 
the complete opposite, operationally, emotionally, and in every other way of Ronnie Hansen. And I got to tell you, they were both great captains. I can live with that. I can understand that. There are people that think, ah, they're too rough around the edges. Anybody who's afraid to work, that shouldn't be that way. You should be comfortable at work every day. And, and those sentiments I accept. But I also agree that some of the toughest bosses I ever worked for, some of the guys that I must admit I was sort of afraid to work with, in retrospect, 20 years, 30 years later, boy, am I glad I worked for them. Was John Vigiano a tough boss? I never worked for John Vigiano. I worked around him. I worked with him. In, I was in Rescue 3. He was in Rescue 2. I got to know him very well from being in, quote, unquote, the rescues. I know a lot about John Vigiano. I never worked a shift a minute with him in the same firehouse. And I hear he was a tough boss. I hear he was a tough guy, too. He was a nice man as well. You know, father of, of, of two boys, one a cop, one, one a firefighter. Uh, tragically, both lost on 9-11. John, John was one of, the, one of the toughest guys in the job. But, but the point is, whether it was John Vigiano, whether it was, whether it was Nick, Nick Visconti, whether it was, you know, Hanson, Ronnie Hanson. Ronnie Hanson wrote, you know, they wrote across on the wall, on the vacant building across on the firehouse, Ronnie is dead. Because he pretty much... He pretty much said that sentiment, expressed that sentiment. Ronnie's dead. I'm not a lieutenant anymore. I'm a captain. I'm not a fireman anymore. I'm a boss now. You know? <laughs> so getting away from Ronnie for a minute, you know, I've worked with so many good bosses. And, and, and this discussion sort of started because about a year or two, I, I went to a wake. And I went to a wake of a, of a lieutenant. And, 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 and a guy passed away. So I'm not going to mention his name right now. And it doesn't matter. I, I, I have great respect for him and his family. And, and, and the guys who know who he is are going to know who he is anyway when I talk about it. But it was a guy who was a lieutenant in the house where I was a firefighter. And he was a tough boss. He had a tough name. He had a tough voice. You looked at him, he looked tough. His helmet looked like, holy cow, how was he alive? I told you that name. When you told me his name, I said, you know even what? his name sounds badass. What a great guy. And I probably wouldn't have had those second bits five when I worked with him because I was I probably shied away from him a little bit. You know, make a long story short. Years go by, he retires. I end up retiring. He ended up, he ended, he ended up passing away a couple of years ago. And, uh, and I went to his wake. Now, he had a couple of boys on the job. I, I forget if there was a couple of sisters there, too. And, and I don't mean it doesn't matter, because it certainly does, but I, I don't recall. But I know I know the boys were on the job, because I knew them, too. And they knew me as, you know, as chief soccer, because they, 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 they were firefighters in some busy outfits. I go to the wake, and, you know, I'm online. Family's receiving. Everybody <laughs> online. Hi, how are you? I'm so, so, I'm so sorry about your dad. I worked with him. Yes. You know, the people ahead of me, people behind me. And when I got up there, they're like, hey, chief soccer, how are you doing? Thanks so much for coming by. And I, I said, you know what? You, 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 I never actually worked for your dad. I worked at the same firehouse. I said, I got to tell you, I got to tell you. I said, I was really, I was scared shit working, working in the same firehouse with your father. I was always very careful. I walked very carefully. I spoke very carefully when he was around, when he was in the kitchen, when I was on the apparatus floor walking. He wasn't a nasty guy. Really. You weren't afraid of him, but you were very careful what you said. You knew who he was and, and, and what his perspective was. on everything. Uh, and, they, and they start laughing. These two young firefighters standing in their funeral's wake, their, their, their father's body, 10 feet away in the casket. And, and, and I think a couple of the others were laughing too, maybe their sisters or their, or their mom. It was like a little laughter. I said, well, what, what's so funny? They said, you know, about 75 guys have said that tonight so far. <laughs> guys that were his firefighters in his company, guys that were firefighters in the firehouse where he worked. You know, over the years, guys would come and go, and he stayed there for a long time. And, and, and you know what? Oh, gosh, there must have been 500 people in that wake that night. 500 people. 
uh, he was a tremendously well-respected and loved well, man, even though he was one of the toughest bosses in the house. You just said respected. And I remember I remember Tom Freeman, Chief Tom Freeman, you've heard me mention him tons of times. He, he once described, he said, Rick, I'd rather be respected than liked. Liked is a bonus. I'd rather be respected. I'd rather go, you know what? We may not always got along, but I knew I was always going home when I worked with him. I knew he had my best sense. He always had my back. I'd rather be respected than liked. And I think there's some people, actually you said it today in class, you know, they're more worried about being everybody's buddy and being friendly. What did Bruno used to say? If you want to make everybody happy, go sell ice cream. Go drive an ice cream truck. You want to make everybody happy, so drive an ice cream. This is the fire service. And sometimes what we have to do takes people that are, are, are willing and, and able to drive people in a direction they need to go when they don't want to go. And I got to tell you, some of the tough bosses that I worked with over the years, and I did 33 years on a job, wasn't the longest career in the world, wasn't the shortest. I had a pretty good uh, pretty good number of different companies that I worked in, a squad and a rescue and engines and trucks and stuff like that. I worked with a bunch of different bosses. As a lieutenant, I had a couple of different captains. As a firefighter, I had a couple of different lieutenants and, bo- and bosses above me. And as a chief, I had, I had oh, dozens of lieutenants and captains that worked for me in the 18th Battalion over the years that I was there. And I got to tell you, the tough bosses, you know, again, anybody listens, got this is my perspective. This is my experience. The tough bosses never played favorites either. You could be, you could be one of the best, closest, most efficient, most, you know, compliant firefighters to a tough boss. And if you stepped over the line, if you said the wrong thing, if you, if you missed the run, if you, he, he'd balk at you the same as he would the guy that he was trying to break in that he didn't really know, or maybe didn't even like, you know, you, everybody got the same medicine from him. And I always thought that was pretty cool. Pretty fair. Everybody got treated the same because he had the same expectation for everybody on the ring and everybody in the house. And we're not talking about like one of these raging maniac screamer no. bullies, thugs in the fire service, these browbeaten, beat you down bosses. We're just talking the the the, one, the command presence, the firm, strict, going to do things right. Strict is better than firm. Strict yeah. is more accurate than firm. Good, hardworking. I, I'll say this. I want to be the best. They were like, uh, you know what? If you're going to be here, because in, in a good way, selfishly, I want to be the best. I can't be the best unless the people work for me the best. So there you go. Strict there's expectations. The, there's the line in the sand. I want to be the best, and I can't be the best unless you're the best. So get on board right. or go away. And, and it's not just the tough bosses. You know, guys like Pete Lund, who I love. I can hug Pete Lund. I love him. Great guy. You know, it's not just that, and, and, and you can never call Pete Lund a tough boss. He was a tough guy. He was a tough guy. You could follow him to every fire he went to, you'd be a tough guy too. But he wasn't necessarily a tough boss. He didn't have that tough attitude around the firehouse. or that. He, he, he lulled you into it. He, he, he generated interest in this stuff, and I, and I loved working with him too. But, but the tough bosses had high expectations, and it was, and it was perform or, or deal with the consequences. There was no second chances. There was no nothing else. No, no, nobody, nobody got thrown out anywhere you're fired. But if you if you fell short, you come in late, you're not dressed right, you miss you miss an assignment at a fire, you don't you don't you don't take up the right position, carry the right tool, park the ring in the right place, you will hear about but, it. There is no, you know, ah, it was all right, we, we made it up. But isn't it a reflection on the whole person? It, it, when we say if you if you miss an assignment, if you show up late, if you're not you we talk about those people all the time. You can spot them in the firehouse. You look you. The guy who looks like a slob in his uniform, you always got to blast him out of the recliner to get him to go training. He doesn't want to train. He's always showing up last minute, the minute man, or he's late. Don't take care of his tools. It's usually not just one thing really doesn't create 
a lecture or a coaching episode. Right. Those, pe those people run in spurts like that. And you know what? If you're not willing to step up as a leader, as a boss, and take care of that, you're going to produce crap. Shit produces shit. And that's what happens. And if you're not willing to sit down and go, look, you know what? This ain't, this ain't going to work. This is not how we work here. You need to get here earlier. Your uniform, your uniform looks like it looks like crap. You're not going to do that. What it comes to. And that's what it comes down to. It comes down to you got to be able to. And that's why some of these old bosses were like that. Some of them got broken in the military or in a trade or in an industry or somewhere where, where there wasn't too much room for nonsense. You're a carpenter. You're a, you're a steel worker. You're a marine. You're you're a guy in the army. You know, a lot of places there, there was no room for for fiddle faddling around. You had to do what you had to do. You're supposed to do it right. You're supposed to do it quickly. Move on to the next job. Show up the next day on time. Call people, sir and ma'am. I mean, all these simple things. I am old school. I am old school. I love that stuff. Here we were today in Texas, outside Houston, with with a room full of people. Every single guy I spoke to for the past two days called me, yes sir, no sir. Anytime I talked about it, boy, that ring is beautiful. Yes sir, yes sir. And boy, do I love that. Not because not because they're, you know, falling over me. Right, right. But because I just love seeing that there are people that still are respectful enough. Not me. Take me out of the sequence. Put some other 64-year-old guy in a picture that you tie and fight upon. So I love that people still have respect and use terms like sir and ma'am. And, and I can't tell you how many times I tried to walk through a door today that, that the guy in front of me stopped and held the door. So and I what said, does no, that say? Said, nope, you go first. What does that say about all the people that blame all the different generations? For they're not as good as mine. There were, there were young, there were young men and women that were respectful. There was middle-aged men and women that were respectful and older. And you know what? It was all different ages. All that, right? It's all malarkey. It's all a bunch of crap. There were twenty-five-year-old guys today who, who were so who were so excellent, so polite, so professional. And there was a seventy-five-year-old man there today too. That that said, Chief, I got to talk to you. Oh, it's a pleasure having you here. I'm so glad I've been here for a long time. I talked to twenty-five-year-old guys today, and I talked to seventy-five-year-old guys today wearing the same shirt. We're in the same sweatshirt, and they both spoke very similarly. Both, both very professional. Both, both very polished and polite. And it, and it just thrills me to be around groups of people like that. And, and I hope they feel the same way about having guys like you and I in class and coming and talking professionally and, and passing our experience down to them. Do you whether think it's the technical think, fire stuff? Do you think we're here. losing on the numbers when it comes to those tough bosses nowadays? I, I I'm kind of mixed because. About the time I think, ah, they're a dying breed, they're going away, we go to a place and we run into a whole bunch. When we were in Detroit, oh, my God, we were in Warren, Michigan. Love Warren, Michigan, Wasn't right next fun. to Detroit. That Those guys, Jim, I mean, the, the guys up there are awesome. We went to dinner, went to supper. And that crew showed up in Warren, Detroit. And have to go for Detroit. And they were, I mean, were they not passionate about the job? They, they, they got angry talking about people that didn't love the job in Detroit. Because yep. those guys are it Detroit, was like sitting with some of them. Detroit's got great fun. Oh, they were. And I'm like. Well, you know what? No, you know what? They're still they're still here. Yeah. They're I still tell here. you, the FDNY is different. Oh, I'm retired now. I have been in the firehouse in 10 years. But I still go to reunions. I still see guys. I still, you know, know guys on a job and stuff like that. So so I don't know exactly what the job is like. But I know it was like the day I left. And it wasn't quite the same as the day I arrived. And when I arrived back in 1979 to when I retired in 2012, which was a span, a span over actually five different decades, right? Even though it was just a little bit of chunk at the beginning and, and just a little bit at the end. But still... There, there was there was a, an obvious change, but it wasn't just a change in the FDNY. It was a, it was a change in America. It was a change in society. It was a, just a change in in the way people did things and the way people worked and money and, and attitude. So, do I think there was many, uh, from my perspective, tough bosses, tough officers in a job like Tony Palazzola? Tough Tony Palazzola was in my study group. Boy, do I love Tony. Tony was a tough guy. I never saw him be tough because we became friends. 
we were in a study group together. Again, I never worked for him. But there's stories about Tough Tony, and he ran a pretty tight ship at 3500. You did it his way, or you, or, so, or, you know. So what do you say? What do you, what do you, how do you, what advice do you give? You know, we just did class today with a, it was a Batalchus Academy, but with, you know, or just a leadership class. What advice do you give? The guys sit around the kitchen table like we did last night after supper about what traits you pick and use for yourself to make yourself a better boss. What do you grab from the tough boss? Right. To, to to make you like I always talk about I always try to take Jack McCaslin's command presence, how he ran a fire, and how he taught stuff like fire behavior building construction. I try to take Eddie Enright's <coughs> excuse me love for the job and his guys, and his passion for the job. Tommy Shervino's energy, his 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 instructional. God bless you, Tommy. His God, that guy was just every people lit up around him. Tom Freeman's smarts, right? And I tried to take them and steal those traits and make me better. What do you say to the guys sitting around a kitchen table that are sitting there going, So how do I get to a point where I'm tough, but I'm not like over the board, over the top right. tough? Or what, what do they what right. do you tell them? I mean, it's hard to measure that. I, I don't know, I don't know where over the line is or too tough is but when I think of guys like uh, Ch- Chief Joe, Joe DiBanato, when I when I think of guys like Tom Kennedy, when I think of guys like uh, uh, my, my captain and 11 truck. I, I think of these guys that they were tough bosses. They were old school bosses. They knew what they wanted to get done. They knew their jobs. I've met guys that were a little shaky on that. They knew their jobs. They wanted you to be as sharp as they were. They wanted you to know your job. They wanted you to perform all the time up to the same level. There was no variable levels of the performance. It was like, let's perform at hundred percent all the time. I mean, don't you want to do that? Isn't that what, isn't that what Olymp- Olympians do? Isn't that what the New York Yankees do? Isn't that what, you know, great football teams do? They perform at 100% all the time. Well, why, the, why is a fire officer, a fire lieutenant or captain or battalion chief, why is them demanding that same thing of firefighters any different? Why is that looked down upon? And I'm not saying it is. So I think tough bosses are good because they speak their mind. They say what they want to say. Listen, you've heard me use the term creative anxiety. I can't remember who I learned it from. I certainly didn't make it up. Somebody told me that. A little creative anxiety, meaning you get a little anxiety in you because of, well, you're working for a tough boss. If you step out of line, you might get a little growl out of him or a little something, right? So what does that do? What does that anxiety do? It becomes creative. You start performing a little bit better. You start paying a little bit more attention to what you're saying, what you're doing. And suddenly, you end up excelling because you're working for for the guy that's not breathing down your back, breathing down your neck, but he's watching. And you know he's watching. Go work for some bum boss. Go work for some guy that's up in the office watching you know, funniest home videos all night long. It only comes down for runs. Work for him for a week. Then work for a tough boss for a week. And I'm telling you right now, you're going to, you work for the tough boss. You're going to know what you're doing. You, you, you're going to be better at doing it. You, you're going to have more drills. You're probably going to be safer on the runs that you go on. You're probably going to perform better for them. I always, we always want to remember that. Those are the people that this is all about. These firehouses and rigs and offices and promotions and training. It's all, it's all to keep our community safe. They're probably going to get a better product too from a tough boss than they do for the guy that's upstairs, you know, watching his, watching his golf clubs or watching. And, and when you said, you know, like not knowing over the word over the line is, I think, I think, I think you do because we've talked about this where over the line for the tough boss is the, the raging maniac screamer, bully, thug, harasser, whatever, you know. I, oh, there are lines. He's putting his hands on somebody. We had a guy in 48 engine. When I was a captain of a one, eight, a couple of guys came over visit me at chief's office and said, chief, there's no guy that we got. He's he's a threat. He's putting his hands on guys. It's not good. He's, he's enjoying it. And you know what? We took care of it. With my with my friend Joe Callen, who was the borough commander at the time. We we didn't all get together and throw it out. It was it was a 
it was it was a divisive thing that had to happen. But my, my point is that's over the line. Yeah, putting your hands on people is over the line. Having a real negative impact on people is over the line. Most of the time, folks that work for good bosses sort of start to turn into tough guys themselves. They start they, those expectations. So, they so there's of, a difference between coach and loud and, and harassment. Absolutely. There's a difference between coach and loud and being a bully. And you heard me you talk know, about that in class. Yeah. I can't tell you I never raised my voice to somebody in a fly house. Oh, I never yeah. embarrassed anybody. I never deliberately did something negative to, to belittle somebody in front of. You know, if, if I wanted to do a little bit more serious talking to somebody, I'd probably go up to the office with them or, out, or you know, back around the back of the apparatus or something like that. But, yeah, sometimes that – and I'm not – I'm not endorsing that. I'm not promoting that, yelling or raising your voice to somebody. But sometimes stuff comes up and you're like, hey, hey, hey. And, and all of a sudden, your you guy looks at you. Two guys look at you. Tommy, that's not what we do around here. Come on. Let's, let's, you know, so there's a lot of ways to do it. We said that all day today and at every class. There's no one way to do anything in a fire service, to be a boss, to be a leader. But you should know. You know from your mom and dad when you grew up, when you were in football and the Boy Scouts, there's, 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 there's the right way to act with people. And some people are a little bit, a little bit harder, something a little bit more demanding, some people a little bit less demanding. And and I like the, the more demanding model. I like the, the tougher model. I, I like the one we talked about before that says, and I'll, I'll say it again to finish things up from my end for this for the particular episode about the tough boss is work for the tough bosses. I like the one, like I said before, that says, you know what, Here, you want to know me? Here it is. I want to be the best, but I can't be the best. In your, unless you're the best. And if you're not going to do that, then you need to go away. Right. You know, right. because like I said, crap people, because I cannot, I cannot soar. I cannot move. I cannot do great things without great people, the same passion and desires I have. And, and it's, I think it's pretty simple. And you know what, who doesn't want to be part of a good company? Who doesn't right. want to be part of a good firehouse? Right. Who doesn't want to be the one that's recognizes, you know what, those guys, they, they, they are, they're all about, they're into the job. They come, they show up, they do a great, they're, they're dependable. I kind of like that. I don't want those going, well, we don't know who we're getting today. I remember you know. a couple of times being out at the pool or being in the house for a party or at a picnic or something like that. And I was looking at my wife saying, ah, time to go in and get the night tour tonight. What, what are you leaving now for? I said, because I'm going to love truck tonight, because I'm going to rescue three tonight, because I'm going to squad one, whatever it was. And you know what? That's what the expectation was there. I don't, I don't roll in there at 10 to 6 or 5.30. I roll in there at 5 o'clock or quarter to 5. You know, well, T- Tommy's working tonight too. And he, he He's not leaving right now. I said, I don't know where Tommy works. I don't know whose bosses are. I know I know who my bosses are, and I'm leaving. I'm going to work now. And you know, so that creative anxiety, I, I really do, I really do believe it. I really do think it's a real thing. And sometimes when you're expected, when you're when when people have high expectations of you, I think you're satisfied. If you want to stay there, if you want to be happy, if you want to feel fulfilled yourself, I, I think you're satisfied. Not unrealistic, not not out, out of this world ridiculous right. high expectations, but maybe just a step or two above the normal, maybe a step of to above the other company in the house, or maybe even above the other shifts in the same company. I always liked that. I always worked. I always liked working with the tough boss. And even though some nights were a little apprehensive, some nights were a little, oh man, he doesn't seem happy tonight. Yeah, but you know, if we get a fire, it's going to be the best fire we ever went to. Yeah, and, and we'll get out with him. He knows where to go. He knows how to get to the roof. He know he knows how to get an assignment and a job. Because the big bosses know him too. Oh, he's working today. Hey, I love a truck to the roof. You know, listen, I just like it. I just like it. Oh. Great topic. Another accidental, let's talk about the tough boss, uh, you know, topic on our show. So, uh, hey, if they want to get a hold of you, email. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. And I'm Chief Lasky at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening. Spread the word. Um, if you're looking to find out where we're going to be, um, both of us post our stuff. I know on my end, I post on my website calendar, my Facebook page. 
where we're going to be together. Mm-hmm. A lot of our classes, a lot of our stuff. Um, or give us a shout. We're all over the place. Hopefully, we'll get to see you soon. Um, oh, one more thing. Go ahead. I, I mentioned this the other night on a podcast. I'm going to mention it now. I'm going to try and mention it every time we, we get together. Uh, we're, putting a, we're putting a memorial up. We're expanding the memorial in Washington. But we lost five guys on 9-11. And, and gosh, I know it's 20 years ago now. But uh, we're starting to lose a couple of guys to post 9-11 analysts, including my, my dear friend Ray Phillips and a couple of police officers as well. We're putting up a new monument. We're selling 20th anniversary 9-11 coins. Chief John Salka at gmail.com. If you're interested in a coin, I'll tell you right now that they're $20 and a $5 handling and mailing fee because they're expensive to mail. But if you're interested in supporting that, we're going to put a beautiful, small auxiliary monument up at the site where a very large monument sits for the five guys that died actually on 9-11 from Washington, Blooming Grove. So uh, Chief John Salka at gmail.com. If you're interested in a coin, just send me a quick message and and, and we'll go back and forth about uh, how, how to get the money to me and how I can get the coin to you. And for the collectors of Challenge Coins, do you still have any of the 10-year anniversary coins? I do. I do. And if you're interested, please mention that too. And, I, and, and, and we're selling those for a much discounted price just to unload them. And some folks want to pay it. They just want the 10 and the 20, uh, which we have available as well. So I'll say it again. Chief John Salta at gmail.com. Uh, for any questions you have about anything, like Rick said, or if you're sitting that coin or either one of the coins, please, uh, please let me know and we'll talk. Well, before we close things out, um, I know both of us uh, – want to send our thoughts and prayers to the Baltimore uh, City Fire Department who just lost Lieutenant two firefighters tragically in a, in a, in a fire, a very yes. tragic, yes. Hor- oh, they're all horrible. They're all tragic, but this one in particular was really right. bad. Uh, we love Baltimore, incredible men and women that work there, great yeah. fire department, um, a lot of history, a lot of great people, great bosses. And we got a personal friend there, uh, our good buddy, Tim Plett, retired Lieutenant from 88 Engine FDNY, his boy, Dan. His boy, Dan, is a, is a member of, a 14 engine there in, in Baltimore and uh, was not there that day, but it, but it's his brothers and sisters that died that day. So uh, hang in there, Dan. We're thinking about you too. God bless you. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers to our Baltimore family. Uh, with that, we always ask you when we end these episodes uh, to please keep the men and women in the armed forces and your thoughts and prayers. And remember this, never forgetting means just that, never forgetting. Take care. See you next time. And God bless you.